There are a lot of great writers in this town, and there have been a lot of great writers in this town. And uh, near the top of that list now is Kathleen Rooney. Uh, her latest book, and I've been a fan of all of her books, fiction, nonfiction, poetry, is called From Dust to Stardust, and it is certainly Chicago-centric. It was spurred by a visit she made as a little girl, probably seven or eight years old, to the Museum of Science and Industry. She's somewhat older now, uh, but welcome to the show, Kathleen. Thank you. It's always a pleasure. It is. We, I know. We, I, but you're so prolific. We, we do this like once a year. Yeah, uh, I get to talk to you often. <laughs> what was that visit? What was that visit as a little girl? Yeah, it was back when I was eight, and my family had recently moved uh, to the Chicago area from Louisiana, and one of the things they did was take us to the Museum of Science and Industry, and as I think everybody who's been there knows, it's amazing. It's full of stuff that could captivate you all day, but the thing that grabbed me was Colleen Moore's Fairy Castle, which is like a museum within the museum. It's one ton that's got emeralds and mother of pearl and this narration that seems to believe that it's actually populated by fairies and so i was just hooked i'm sure i mean even i who didn't play with dolls and didn't play with doll houses as a kid i remember it well my father wrote the history of the museum of science and industry yeah so i was there a lot but that that castle grabbed you in a way, you didn't. I suppose every time you would go back to the Museum of Science and Industry, you would go and take a look at it. But yes. explain to me how it sits in your brain to the point where all of a sudden, as a already talented writer, you say, "I'm, I need to write about this." Yes, yes, I love that question because I, you know, I'm always the person at the reading asking, like, "Where did you get your idea?" And right. so my idea came from not just the castle, but the sort of, I guess, you know, wall text, the placards, the explanatory material that the museum had at the time, which said not just what the castle was, but who made it. And it said it was made by this silent movie star, Colleen Moore. And I think the thing, the two things about her that just absolutely stayed with me were that she had one brown eye and one blue eye. And so she had to do a screen test here in Chicago at SNA in Uptown to, to make sure she looked okay. And I thought that was so so just capricious of fate that it, it hinged on that. And then the second thing is that she toured the castle um, during the Great Depression. Oh, I know. So she didn't just build it for herself, but she, she raised money. And so I just was, like, in love with Colleen Moore. When, let me ask you, in exploring Colleen Moore, you obviously, I have to assume, had never heard of her until seeing her castle and reading that little tiny plaque about her. This is one of the people who, because she wasn't in the talkies, she she was a huge movie star. When did you really start to, to research her life and times? Yeah, I would say it was late in 2016, and I was kind of thinking of what I wanted to do for my new project. And that is when I kind of went back to that memory and started asking my adult self, okay, why was she famous? I mean, I know she was a silent star, but what does that mean? Right, and right, so right. I started watching as, as many of her films as I could. And I think the thing, you know, part of what made me feel like I had to write the book and I really wanted to is that so much of her oeuvre is lost. So many silent movies, you know, it's nothing personal, but so oh, many sure, of those sure. are gone. Um, and the ones of hers that I could watch 
I just thought, I mean, I love silent movies and I love the past, but she had this real modernity about her. And I, I just felt like watching her, I could hang out with her today. She could walk off the screen into the 21st century and fit in. And oh, no, no, her, no you know? question about that. No question about <laughs> yeah. her. She did. She also spent a great deal of time in Chicago. You have written, uh, Kathleen Rooney, some nonfiction work. Did you at any yes. point think to yourself, wow, I should just write a, there have been some books written about her, but uh, some not very good and some quite yeah. old. Did you ever think to yourself, wow, this would be a great subject for a nonfiction biography? Yeah, it it did cross my mind. But then in the same way that, you know, Lillian Boxfish and Cher, I mean, mm. Major Whittlesey kind of became novels, I thought... You know, there is this record, and if people do want to go back, there there are a lot of great sources, you know, old though they may be. And I was, you know, I always ask the question of, if I write a project, am I adding something to it? What am I going to give people that they can't just get on their own from Wikipedia? And I think for me, it was sort of the the magic of her. And if I had to boil her down to one phrase, it would be joie de vivre. And she just yeah, seemed like such a joyful yeah. person, even though, you know, she... Bad things happened to her. She had a terrible marriage. And, you know, I mean, the movie industry is rough, but she just was so joyful. And so I wanted to kind of think about where that came from and, like, the magic of the fairies and the kind of person who would, you know, do this. So I think I just I wanted to have that freedom to really make her, um, you know, not that she needs embellishment, but as Dorian O'Dear in my book, to really just make her pop. Well, but also it, it enables you to use your creativity in a way that goes way beyond citing old newspaper stories. You you get to, in a sense, inhabit a character sort of not you you help fully form uh, the character in the book. Uh, I will read one line before we take a little break. She is having a conversation here with the famous director D.W. Griffith, who could not. Uh, be in a room alone with any young star and he tells her you know girls got to realize that a career on the screen demands everything but promises nothing yes sir said doreen what makes you think you're pretty enough to work for me he said i don't i said because i don't think pretty is the point i think people want to see real human beings on screen i believe that i can be a real human being I, I don't know if if colleen moore ever said that but i that's just a lovely lovely thought kathleen rooney thank you thank you yeah i made that up thank of you of course well it's a novel it's a novel we're <laughs> going to take a short break and come back and talk about some of the fascinating there's some newspaper people in this book too and it's just it, yeah. and i want to talk to so think about this and i'm sure you've talked about it before it's a fascinating narrative structure. It it moves between 1968 and an interview that's taking place at the Museum of Science and Industry and goes back throughout her entire, not entire life, not the whole thing, but back to the glory days of Hollywood. We will be right back with Kathleen Rooney. The book is, and you should buy it, From Dust to Stardust. It's a magnificent novel. We'll be right back. One of the great, great characters in uh, contemporary fiction is a young girl and woman named Doreen O'Dare, created by Kathleen Rooney of Chicago and based on the life and times of silent film star 
Colleen Moore, who was something. My mother knew Colleen Moore Hargrave later on, which I think, ah. you know, and my mother knew Adela Rogers St. John. And I, there's a lot yes. of, yeah, no kidding. There's a lot of wonderful, for me, certainly overlap. And though the, the her dollhouse, the house that the Museum of Science and Industry is not my favorite thing of the Museum of Science and Industry, it will always be the coal mine because it scared me half to death. Uh, <laughs> but. I certainly uh, admired this woman. I admired tremendously as a fictional character. She is she is gutsy. She's uh, she was sent here every summer by her parents, and she spent time with two of one of the great things, <laughs> Kathleen, is in writing about Hollywood and Chicago in those times. You you come across a lot of other characters who you can breathe life into. Yes. 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 Um, and one, the one who you're building up to, who I think, you know, I can understand why he might be near and dear to your heart is, you know, Walter Howey, who was oh, a great sure. Chicago newspaper man. And he, you know, Ben Hecht, another great Chicago writer, wrote the front page about him. And he was um, Colleen Moore's real uncle um, by marriage. And so I knew I had to put him in there. And he's sort of like a kind of like almost fairy godfather to Doreen, and it was a lot of fun to do. I love the way you describe him, too, and I I hope you don't mind me reading a little something, because I think it'll give people a sense of your your magnificent style. Uh, Aunt Lib, who was married to Uncle Walter, liked to call me the child of my soul. Uncle Walter called me the child of my imagination. A hard-bitten newspaper man, he had a glass eye, and he'd never tell anyone how he got it. I'm not sure even Aunt Lib knew the truth. Legend attributed the orb to the circulation wars of his early days in the Windy City, a time when gangs employed by rival newspapers waged battles in the streets, or, less romantically, to Walter's passing out drunk and impaling himself on a copy spike. Walter became famous for, as you have it in here, for... uh, one of the great scoops of all time, interviewing people who had survived and escaped from the Iroquois theater. Uh, he also is a is your character, uh, Doreen O'Dare, sort of loved Uncle Walter more than she loved her own dad. Her dad was not the most supportive person to her dreams of Hollywood, was he? No, and I, you know, that's where fiction is great mm-hmm. because, by all accounts, the real life Colleen had lovely parents. But yeah. for the purposes of my story, um, I wanted to make it more uh, complicated. And so I, you know, as a writer, I'm fascinated by those um, adult relationships that kids can have at pivotal times yeah. with people who are not their mom and dad. And so I love this idea of, you know, Walter trading in a favor to get his favorite niece, her big break because even though it's 1916 hollywood is already super hard to crack into and so she needed it well he says somewhere in here and i'm just doing this from memory that hollywood is harder to crack than a brazilian nut uh you get and she eventually at one point she writes uh, you write in here uh let's stop for a second and go back to the the uh remarkable and creative narrative structure of this uh novel it is set not only in the 1968 when a woman is interviewing uh odair in the museum of science and industry about her memories and the castle 
And when did how did that come to you? And do you need sort of a plot before sitting down to write this, or did that just come to you, Kathleen? Yeah, great question. I always say that to me, because I write all genres, but yeah. novels are the most architectural. And by that I mean, personally, I have a really hard time writing without a blueprint. I mm-hmm. need a structure. I need a container to pour the content into and to put the characters in to move around. And so in this case, I knew right away, once I knew I was going to write about it, that I had to use the device of the fairy castle because i mean what better way to tell her story than to go room by room so you really do get this tour where you you know you see the garden and you see the little coach and you go into the library and the small hall and, the and i love that the, idea the bedroom of, of the prince yeah. the bathroom of the prince it is separated by yeah. that and the device of having uh this this woman named gladys uh interviewing yes. her in 1968 why'd you pick 68 Yeah, I wanted her to be well past her fame, so Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. she would have that retrospective look. But she's so, but she's not. Don't I don't want anyone to get the idea that she's just you know sitting on her laurels. She's become a financial advisor, so she's having this other life. Oh yes, oh yes. She's way way past the silent days. Um, But I also wanted that. you know, to me, part of, so there's three reasons. In 2016, I was thinking about, you know, when, you know, things feel dark and nations are divided, what brings us together? Same question in the Great Depression that, you know, Doreen and Colleen were trying to answer with the castle. And then, of course, 68, that was a very, very difficult year, you know, in American history with, you know, assassinations and the Democratic National Chicago history. Specifically for Chicago. Yeah. Yeah. And so just this idea of what we do you know, in, you know, how history kind of, you know, repeats itself for at least rhymes and what we're trying to do to, you know, keep ourselves reminded of, of beauty and solidarity. And so I knew 68 was a good time to talk about the castle. Yeah, and one of the, one of your, your most artful, artful uh, methods is the way in which you can draw things that you never knew about that you you didn't know rudolph valentino i would give you that kathleen rooney but but (laughs) i'm just gonna read i'm just but you have you give it such you give her memories such articulate depth i'm gonna here's here's another part of the book today more than 40 years ago after his untimely death few people seem to understand the animal magnetism of valentino as elegant as Dracula, count what a great line that is, uh, Rudy had that little ooze of cruelty about his hooded eyes, a dashing man with lengthy lashes and agile soldiers shoulders. A rumor of his having been a gigolo proved untrue, but he was a darn good dancer, not to mention a gymnast and a horseman, and he collected rare books. American men resented him as a foreign Lothario, a pretty boy born for passionate lovemaking. Some petty writer from my uncle's newspaper in Chicago, which was a Tribune, used the term pink powder puffs to slur men who imitated his dress and manner. But that was pure jealousy of his gallantry and grace. Women across the nation fainted at his flickering image. I have rarely, if ever, met a come across a better description of Rudolph Valentino. I didn't know him either. Thank but, you. But, but it's Thank just, you. That's just, how, how, does a paragraph like that, not to get too much into the weeds of writing, yeah. does a paragraph like that just come to you or do you have to rework something like that? You know you want to write about Valentino. You know you want to say something about him. 
Does that come easy? Yeah, it comes from um, sort of asking a question. You know, I think that's one of the reasons I like writing in general, but especially history is like, okay, like you said, I'm not someone who ever knew him. I'm not someone who ever watched him when he was a phenomenon, but like, what was it like to be moved by Valentino? And then, yeah, and it, you know, it takes some drafting, but I just, I love to just try to answer those ultimately impossible and yet kind of answerable questions yeah, because you have you provide the answer and it is it is exactly. a valid valid and in this case poetic answer we're gonna keep talking after the news if that's okay with you if you can stay on yes. because i want to uh yes, yes. There, there's another great paragraph in here when she talks about uh, stardom and we'll, we'll tell you a little bit more about uh, colleen moore hargrave and her final third marriage which seemed to be a very happy one was it not yes extremely yeah, her yeah. fairy tale ending yes exactly exactly how perfect how perfect so please stay tuned uh, through the news and whatever update of the bear score you may get and uh, i'll be back with uh, kathleen kathleen rooney to talk about from dust to stardust her latest novel please go uh, when you have time to kathleen rooney i'm not going to insult you by spelling that for you dot com yeah. because you can find all the things she does. Uh, we, one day you got to come in here for two hours and talk about Rose Metal Press. I'm, I've always been intrigued by poems while you wait. You can get information yes. about that. But now I'm just interested in devouring your novels and your other works. And she also teaches, for goodness sake. The latest is from Dust to Stardust, uh, inspired by Colleen Moore's uh, incredible uh, dollhouse at the Museum of Science and Industry. And it is enabled, uh, Kathleen, by creating a character named Doreen O'Dare to write about uh, how this woman, and Colleen Moore herself is a remarkable woman, as I, re- as I recall her sitting and having drinks with my mother at our house. Uh, but, yes. but here, you know, the thing about it, Kathleen, you really have some incredible observations here. You're writing about her, and, and you say, and this is in her voice, movies of those early days appealed to my imagination because they required the spirit of the viewer to supply so many elements, the voices of the actors foremost among them. The silence of the stars rendered them intimate yet godlike, a peculiar art form, and it was cheap. You could hand over a dime and purchase a dream. That's just, to my mind, magnificent. Magnificent writing. Thank you. She she uh, invested her money wisely. Uh, she she stopped making movies when she was still very very young. Uh, that's probably why people don't remember her. Wouldn't you say? Yes. Yeah. It, yes. She made. I, I do think it's interesting. You know, and one of the reasons that I wanted to write about her, she made four talking pictures. So she could have done that transition. She passed her sound test, she could memorize lines, she had a beautiful speaking voice, Um, you know, she was smart, she was articulate, Um, but as she told it, you know, and I I found this interesting and wanted to put it in my character, she, it wasn't as much fun anymore, like, you know, it wasn't as bad as Singing in the Rain, where they're talking into a plant with like a microphone, but it was, you know, you watch the silent movies of of that era, and they're so zippy, they move, and they're, they're so quick and so light, and the tempo is so charming. And then it was, you know, the step back. And then also, I, I write about this. 
she, you know, like many actresses, found herself kind of being pushed back upon by the producers and the directors who oh, kind yeah. of felt like women had gotten too much power and attention and used the upheaval as an opportunity to, you know, push them back. And so, you know, she she deliberately left. And I, I love people who have second acts and I love people who, you know, when they have to make a change, don't become bogged down, but sort of say like, all right, what can I do next? Yeah. And she well, she's a great example of that. I mean, I, I'm not even going to bring up the word feminism, but she is an incredibly independent thinker yes. and independent doer also. Uh, yes. You know, she writes here, you write here, and she speaks, uh, stardom, I have been warned by many, could become terrible in its loneliness. I did all I could to combat that feeling, attending parties and events, always being cordial and gracious, but also exercising caution about making new friends, because you could always tell when someone who hadn't the time of day for you when you were obscure was only taking you up because you were acclaimed. No no thank you uh that obviously is one of the reasons she she abandoned that world but she met a a, a remarkable guy in chicago and uh who she says you say for her he was not just a gentleman but a gentleman who was that yeah so you know in in the book i changed names but in in real life it was homer hargrave Mm -hmm. and yeah and so he's this, you know, vice president of Merrill Lynch, and he, you know, knows all about the stock market. And I, I thought it was very interesting that, you know, in real life and therefore in the novel, Colleen, because she went to Hollywood so young, only had an eighth grade education, right. and she was sort of self conscious about that. But she was so smart. She read books. She, you know, educated herself in other ways. And so when she fell in love with this guy. You know, she sort of joked about how she kind of approached him and said, you know, help me invest my my, you know, silent movie fortune. I can't even balance my checkbook. Ha ha. And he was like, <laughs> OK, come on. Like, no. Um, and so he, he kind of encouraged her to figure it out. And then she went on to write this great book. And I want to recommend it. Sure. Because um, it's still it's so charming and it holds up and the concept holds up, which is called How Women Can Make Money in the Stock Market. And it came out in 1968. And her whole thing was. <laughs> You know, you don't have to have a fortune and you don't have to have a man. You can, you know, take whatever you've got and make it work for you. And I think that was absolutely tied to that independence and that, um, you know, desire for other women to kind of have more freedom, too. Yeah. You must have met because I've met them. You must have met uh, Hargraves uh, before and after writing the book. I have to assume I have to assume that that they are delighted by your portraits in the book. Yes, and shout out if they're listening. Um, Alice Hargrave um, has been super, super supportive and really great to get to know. I didn't know them prior to writing the book, and I didn't come into contact with them as research because, you know, again, it's it's fiction, and I don't, sure, you know, sure. I don't want to... Um, overdo it but afterwards i I do like to reach out when i can find relatives and say hey i wrote a book about you know (laughs) your grandmother or your mother yeah yeah Uh, yeah. and and so alice and i are actually going to do an event at um the arts club uh in october um and we're also i don't know if your listeners can you know keep saving the date that far out but on january 27th um she and i and you know many people um, including like contemporary miniature makers and, and people oh. like that are going to do an event at the Museum of Science and Industry in celebration. Um, so January 27th, it's a Saturday, 2024. Come out to the Fairy Castle. Alice and I will both be there. Well, I'll alert people on the show, too. That just sounds so, so charming. And the reviews for the book yeah. have been, uh, I, I think, just uh, uh, 
justifiably uh, spectacular. Uh, yes. Justifiably spectacular. Now, I don't. Thank I, you. Thank you. I don't mean to, you know, put you on the spot, but but having done this, are you out? I what I would do had I done it, had I ever, ever written a book this this wonderful, I'd be out there looking for another kind of a wonderfully obscure person uh, who had faded and been buried by history's dust to sort of uh, take yes. take and give a new novel to. Uh, you must be very, very pleased with what you've done with this life. Yes, I, I'm really happy with um, you know how the book turned out and how generously people are receiving it, including you. And I am at work on another one. I do. I love writing. I don't think people should be prolific for the sake of you know being prolific but i just there's nothing i love more so i am already working on another historical book and um i have a a, a one genre i haven't yet done but i'm doing is a picture book that i co-wrote with my sister beth rooney so shout out to her she lives in oak park and it's coming out in 2025 so you and beth are already (laughs) booked for the show kathleen you you are a remarkable writer and a and a terrific person and a an unbelievable workaholic and you teach you're on a publishing uh, outfit uh, you do the yeah. and do go to go to Kathleen's website KathleenRooney.com and you'll see all that she does and poems while you wait is a, a, a remarkable thing where she and some other poets will visit various places sit down with typewriters and write you a poem uh, yes you're the best Kathleen thank you so so much and thanks so much for writing this book I only wish my mother were still alive she could read it and say to herself thank you Rick and say to herself why aren't why aren't I in there Colleen and I used to drink, and Adler and Colleen and I, uh, it's a good thing she's not in there. Uh, take good care. Sell more books. Thank you, Rick. Okay, I'll take talk care. To you soon. Bye. Bye.